Uh, well, these past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, looking at how we have that relationship with God and what it looks like for us. Today, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. But thinking about forgiveness, I'm reminded of what happened on June 17th in 2015 in Charleston, South Carolina. In an act of white supremacist terrorism, nine African Americans were killed at a Bible study at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. They welcomed him in, invitationally loved him, had conversation with him. On January of 2017, the shooter was convicted of 33 federal hate crimes and murder, and he was sentenced to death. The shocking thing was the families of the victims forgave the terrorists. They urged him to repent and trust in Jesus, and they forgave him. Our country was simultaneously inspired and disgusted. Culturally, there's this belief in America that justice and forgiveness are mutually exclusive, that you cannot have one without the other. But our brothers and sisters in South Carolina, they knew that hate, bitterness, resentment, and ultimately unforgiveness is an aspect of bondage that God frees his people from. I was looking at uh, Psychology Today, and they had a list of emotional and mental and physical effects of resentment and bitterness on us, so I wanted to read some of those. There are 11. Prolong your mental and emotional pain, and you may exasperate it. Exacerbate. Thank you. Lead to long-lasting anxiety and or depression. Precipitate the vengeful acts that put you at further risk for being hurt or victimized and possibly engulf you in a never-ending, self-defeating cycle of getting even. Prevent you from experiencing the potential joys of living fully in the present versus dwelling self-righteously on the past wrongs inflicted on you. Number five, create or deepen an attitude of distrust or cynicism, qualities that contribute to hostility and paranoid thinking as well as an overall sense of pessimism. Such a bleak perspective prompts others to turn away from you. Number six, interfere with your cultivating healthy, satisfying relationships and lead you to doubt, to disparage your connections to others. Number seven, compromise or weaken your higher ideals and adversely impact your personal search for purpose and meaning. Number eight, rob you of vital energy far better employed to help you realize your desires or achieve goals that you coveted earlier. Number nine, undermine your physical health. The chronic anger that is bitterness, can raise your stress baseline, thereby taxing your immune system. Number 10, blind you from recognizing your own role or responsibility and possibly having been vindictively harmed by another. And number 11, by keeping you in a paradoxical state of vengeful bondage, erode your sense of well-being. Forgiveness is no longer a religious belief, solely a religious belief. It's clear scientifically that it relates to your mental well-being, your emotional well-being, and your physical well-being. 
but also we see in the Bible that God talks about forgiveness and love. So I want us to uh, open up your Bible. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 18. Uh, You are also free just to listen if that is the way that you receive and learn. So I'm going to read two passages that have to do with forgiveness. The first is Matthew chapter 6, verses 12, 14, and 15. Jesus says this, And forgive us our debts as we forgive ourselves, excuse me, as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And then in verse 14 it says this, For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. I'm also going to read Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother who sins against me? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, I tell you, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. As he began settling his accounts, a man who owed 10,000 talents was brought to him. Because he has not been able to repay it, the Lord ordered him to be sold among with his wife, children, whatever he possessed, and repayment to be made. Then the slave threw himself to the ground before him, saying, Be patient with me, and I will repay you everything. The Lord had compassion on that slave, released him, and forgave him the debt. After he went out, that same slave found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred silver coins. So he grabbed him by the throat and started to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe me. Then his fellow slave threw himself down and begged him, be patient with me, and I will repay you. But he refused. Instead, he went out and threw him in prison until he repaid the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, They were very upset and went and told their Lord everything that had taken place. Then his Lord called the first slave and said to him, Evil slave, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not now have shown mercy to your fellow slave just as I showed it to you? And in anger, his Lord turned him over to the prison guards to torture him until he repaid all he owed. So also my heavenly Father will do to you if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would make us active listeners, that we would be honest with ourselves, honest with you, as we engage this good word given to us. We pray all this in the name of your Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So these two texts relate to each other, obviously. They're about forgiveness. But what I want to talk about today is forgiveness, and that forgiveness is a daily journey we walk in response to God's mercy. Forgiveness is a daily journey that we walk in response to God's mercy. And today we're going to look at three specific aspects of forgiveness that will aid us in this journey. First of all, Forgiveness is a daily pursuit. It's a daily pursuit. Looking at that uh, section in chapter 6, the first verse that we talked about last time says, uh, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debtors. 
So your Bible should have little numbers next to it. When, when Matthew first wrote this, he did not write the numbers. So the numbers were added later. So this is actually just one statement. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. So this implies there's this explicit give us today our daily bread, this daily, and then this implicit and forgive us our debts. If my son asked me, Pop, how should I start my day? I say, first, you should brush your teeth every day and tell your mother you love her. If I said that, the implication is that every single day he's telling his mother he loves her. He doesn't say, you said brush your teeth once a day. Well, twice. That's how you start your day. Sorry, I'm a good parent, I promise. Brush your teeth to start every day, and then I say to my mother I love her, and then that's good for the rest of our relationship. The implication is that that is happening over and over and over again. So in the same vein, when it says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, this is a daily encounter with God. If you remember a little bit earlier, Jesus is telling us this is how you should pray. Forgiveness is a daily pursuit. When we gather on Sundays, sometimes we do uh, times of confession, which is great. But what we do here is really just a picture of what it looks like to engage with the gospel every moment of every single day. Confession needs to be a normative part of our lives. If you think about any type of relationship, any type of friendship, marriage, uh, any, any type of relationship that you want to be a healthy relationship, if you do something to create a wall between the two of you, you can't just continue in that relationship without admitting that. In the same way, this type of asking God to forgive our debts is not us asking him over and over and over again, please forgive me and save me, please forgive me and save me. It's this continual reconciliation between us and God. Going to God daily in confession and repentance is a joy. The question then is, why is it a joy? Because often it feels very masochistic, right? We're just looking at ourselves, thinking about how terrible we are, telling God, telling ourselves all the ways we failed. It can feel very masochistic, but the focus is not on us. There is a forgiveness, but the forgiveness is ultimately dependent on God's compassion. The forgiveness is ultimately dependent on God's compassion. Now, looking at this parable in Matthew chapter 18, so a parable is a story it's a story that Jesus told. It's not a real story, so there wasn't really a king that was owed 10,000 talents um, from a slave, and you know this didn't really happen, but it was a story to illustrate a point. Parables are also interesting because there are main themes that we need to see. It's not a shot-for-shot shot remake. So looking at this parable, we see there's a couple of major things. Firstly, the slave goes to the king. And the king has compassion on the slave. That's where the forgiveness starts. The king has compassion on the slave. And even in this prayer, it starts out with, God, uh, with Christ saying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So even though this is a continual back and forth, it starts with God forgiving us. 
and depending on his compassion. Looking at this parable, it, it says that the, uh, the debt was 10,000 talents. Does anybody know the talent to U.S. dollar ratio? Nobody knows that? Uh, well, uh, it, uh, the average income of that time was about a talent and a half per year. So, 10,000 talents is a significant sum. Uh, I, I, I'm not great at math, so I wrote some math down in my notes. Uh, if the average income was $30,000 a year, you made that. Uh, so we're looking at this average income from talents to 10,000 talents. And you made an average of $30,000 a year. Your payment would be $300 billion. Where's Keith? Does anybody, if you want to check that math, it's, you can. The point isn't the specific number. The point is that it would take multiple lifetimes for this slave to repay to the king what he owed. It was impossible. This debt was impossible to repay. And uh, during this time with these kings and this money, there wasn't like a bank, there wasn't a government bailout. This was money that the king needed to fund his army, to feed his people, to uh, have construction workers, to build the kingdom. This is a significant amount of money that cost the king something to forgive. This wasn't a Midwestern, don't worry about it. This was extremely costly. In the same way, we look to God and we say, forgive our debts. Now, there's this tension that I feel. I don't know how you feel, but there's this tension I feel between asking uh, and having confidence in. So uh, we want to continue to go to God asking for forgiveness, but there is confidence that he will forgive. First John Chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he, that is God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Are there any uh, people in here who like to share food? Any food sharers? One, two, three. Too many to count. There's, no, there's only like eight. Um, I'm a big food sharer, so I like to share food. When I go out to eat with you, I'm going to ask, hey, let's pick our two favorite things and just split them each so that we can try multiple things. A couple of you I've done that with. Uh, and this is really fun and cute when you're not married to me. Uh, so my wife is, uh, has grown in generosity. Uh, she has grown in letting me eat some of her food, uh, and I always offer my food uh, so, uh, <laughs> but there's this tension uh, that I feel because I know she's going to say yes when I ask for it, but me just taking it creates tension. You guys see that? I need to ask, and I know she'll say yes, but if I just took it without asking, that's where the tension starts. So I have confidence that if I ask, she'll say yes. And I'll, I've been tempted that when she walks out of the room to sneak a bite. I've been tempted, and I have succumbed to that temptation. <laughs> but the truth is, is that I have 100% confidence that she will say, yes, I will let you have a bite of my food. In the same way, we have that relationship with God. 
we have confidence that when we go to him confessing our wrong, confessing our need, he will bring forgiveness and mercy. He acts in compassion because that's his character. Sometimes we think we can sneak something past him. Sometimes when he's out of the room, we think we can just pretend that it doesn't exist. But our forgiveness depends on God's compassion, and that compassion is totally dependable. That's what I said about going to God in daily forgiveness. Forgiveness is a daily pursuit. The focus of forgiveness is not us. The focus of forgiveness is God's mercy, God's compassion. Now, there's this tension in this verse that I know that you saw because the first time I read it, that's what I saw. If you don't forgive others, God will not forgive you. Looking at that story of the slave, the king forgave this immense debt. Then when he heard about the slave not forgiving a smaller debt, he said, forget about it. And he tortured him in prison. Now there's this tension for us with this forgiving and being forgiven. We want to reflect God's mercy. That statement that we made earlier Forgiveness is a daily journey we walk in response to God's mercy. We want to respond to God's mercy by reflecting his mercy. There's a classic movie called The Mummy. In 1999, with Brendan Fraser in his star role. And when they find this, uh, what's that called when uh, something's buried underground, it's super old? What's that? You say catacombs? Let's go with it. When they go find these catacombs, it's pitch black. And there's all these mirrors set up, and they don't know what to do. And they want light. And this Egyptologist, who's a real person, takes the mirror and points it at the sun, and then it reflects the sun to all the other mirrors and creates all this light. What she did was point the mirror at the sun. Pointing the mirror at the sun is how the mirror could do its purpose of reflecting the light of the sun. So in the same way, we reflect God's mercy by focusing on God's mercy. We reflect God's goodness by focusing on his goodness. So we saw that forgiveness is daily pursuit. We saw that forgiveness is dependent on God's compassion. And lastly, forgiveness is given to be given. Forgiveness is given to be given. There's this tension that, uh, that you may or may not have felt reading these two texts. The question is, is God's mercy limited? Is there an end to what he's able or willing to forgive? The answer is yes and no. First of all, there is no limit to what God can forgive. There is no limit to what God will forgive. But in any relationship, there's expectations. In any relationship, there's expectations. So uh, I don't want to embarrass you. It's going to embarrass Kate. You and I are pretty good friends. Yeah. You have three sons. Uh, Isaac is the oldest. So if Isaac and I had a quarrel, if I had a quarrel with an 11-year-old, which I am known to do, 
And, and I was unwilling to forgive him. And I was harboring bitterness towards him. Would that affect your and I's friendship? Kate says yes. A resounding yes. So in the same way we see this tension. That in one sense, there's forgiveness, there's relationship between us and God. But that's not disconnected from his creation. When we are unable or unwilling to enter into the journey of forgiveness with God's people, with his creation, with those who maintain and possess his character, his likeness, we are creating a barrier between us and God. So when we talk about forgiving others, this is not a works-based, this is not a way to gain God's forgiveness. This is a way to live in the great mercy that God has given us. Something that's so beautiful about the gospel, and somebody said this to me just in these past couple weeks, and I want to use this language that's used in this prayer about forgiving debts, is in God's great mercy, he doesn't just clear our debts, he fills our bank accounts. Isn't that beautiful to think about? He doesn't just clear our debts, he fills our bank accounts. When we come to God and join his family, he says, all right, you get a fresh start. Don't mess up because it's going to cost you. He fills our lives with an abundance of grace and love and mercy. So another way of saying it is if you receive God's mercy and you do not extend it to others, did you really taste the goodness of his mercy? Did you acknowledge that it would take you 30 lifetimes to pay the debt and he forgave that? Are you looking at the depth and magnitude of his compassion and mercy for you? Friends, if you have truly tasted the goodness and mercy and compassion of God, it will urge us and implore us to extend that mercy to others. Now, uh, here's another tension. There's just so many tensions in this <laughs> passages, in these two passages. How to forgive. Um, this is, this is going to be a little bit more complicated. Um, but I want to make it as simple as possible. Um, there's three different things that I want us to look at with how to start the journey of forgiveness. First of all, that language was intentional. This is not a... Will yourself to not be upset. This is not a pray for 10 minutes and then you're cleared. The journey of forgiveness is, is a literal journey that we choose every single day. So how to forgive? First of all, we need to acknowledge the injustice. First of all, we need to acknowledge the injustice. Um, this is so important uh, because there's... Um, so I live just off of Morse Road on the other side of 71. When you're coming north up 71 and you take Morse, does anybody know what I'm talking about? There is a continuous right turn. It says, right turn with caution, which means right turn. Don't stop in front of me. 
And it's pretty normative that somebody stops. There's an entire lane for you to keep going and keep traffic going. And they stop and they wait till there's nobody coming on Morse. And Morse is always really busy. I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm frustrated. Then, when I think about the injustice done against me, I acknowledge there is none. There is no injustice done against me. There's an inconvenience to my kingdom, but there's no injustice done against me. Maybe you feel this with a coworker that uh, clicks their pen. Maybe a roommate who prefers to let uh, dishes soak. There are so many things that are just inconveniences and frustrations. This is not what Jesus is talking about. We have nothing to forgive. They're not doing anything to us. But that's one form of injustice. None at all. A second form of injustice is uh, more unconscious injustice. Uh, When somebody sins against me and there's real hurt, but they don't know what they're doing. When, um, When a spouse or a friend or a partner says uh, something that hurts your feelings, that wounds you deeply, there's this measure of injustice. Looking at what has been done, what is wrong. And then there's this third level of injustice, which is um, when authority is abused. Uh, Systemically, parents... Uh, spiritual authority, schools, when someone is in a position of power and they use that power to abuse you. Each three of these levels of injustice require different amounts of time. And I want to take a a quick aside, because we've got some time, um, to confess the failings of the Western church. This is not across the board for every church in the West, but it is fairly normative that when extreme injustice has been done, that it gets handled below the table, that it gets hidden and not acknowledged, that the victims are pressured to forgive like Christ forgave, that this is a normal thing to expect of the church today. And I want to say explicitly that that is not only inappropriate, but that is not an expression of the gospel that saves us. We want to be a church that admits the injustice that's done, that admits the injustice done by other churches, and that admits the injustice done by us if we are the perpetrators. So first of all, how to, uh, how to forgive is to acknowledge injustice. Secondly, how to forgive, we need to grieve the loss. We need to grieve the loss. Somebody who's had a, a lot of impact on me uh, is uh, someone named Terry Wardle. He talks about emotional health and spiritual living, 
He says this, every loss requires an appropriate response of grief. Every loss requires an appropriate response of grief. What he means by that is, if you lose your favorite pen, you're allowed to be sad. You are. But it shouldn't be the same as losing a parent. Every loss requires an appropriate response of grief. So often we can uh, move too quickly to hope. We can uh, move too quickly to justice. And we don't spend the time to have that injustice that we acknowledge something is wrong, something is not right in this world. We need the time to let it soak into our hearts and into our beings to cry out to God and to feel that loss. Once again, this journey is different for different people, different for the levels of injustice done. And then lastly, how to forgive is to pursue justice to pursue justice. What I mean by justice is pursue what is right. What is right. So when I talk about forgiveness, what I'm not saying is that people should not be held accountable for what they do. There are consequences um, for all of our actions. There are consequences for things that people have done for us. And we need to be able to make boundaries that are both loving to that person and to us. If there are legal things, pursuing justice means pursuing the authorities. We acknowledge injustice, we grieve the loss, and we pursue justice. The ultimate hope of justice is reconciliation, of things being made completely right between two different people. So I know that that is loaded, that is hard, considering how to forgive, knowing that so many of us have had different experiences. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know if this idea of debt and payment is foreign to you. I don't know if it's familiar terminology and you still hate it. Um, the bottom line is that we all understand the desire for justice. And we all understand the brokenness of the world. There is, there, it doesn't matter how long you've lived, you've experienced real hurt where someone has hurt you, where someone has sinned against you when there is a debt that needs to be paid. We understand the desire for justice and the experience of brokenness. But not only that, each one of us is going to incur a debt of our own. Each one of us is going to make mistakes. Each one of us are going to sin and incur debts against other people. But this is the good news that Jesus paid that debt. He paid that debt to the very last penny. We want to demand justice while accepting God's mercy. We want to have this merciful relationship while having a completely different relationship here. Thinking about that parable of the servant uh, and the king, is, is he, he has this interaction with the king and he's begging and he's pleading and the king has mercy on him. And now the slave has an interaction with another slave where he goes to the slave and he grabs him by the neck. He says, you're destroying my kingdom. That slave wanted to be the king. And if we're honest with ourselves, this tension is what we feel all the time. This desire to be the king of our kingdom. 
When thinking about forgiveness, when thinking about the fact that it's a daily pursuit, it's dependent on God's compassion and it's given to be given. We remember that our king became a slave. That our king left his heavenly home. He condescended to live with us to pay that debt. In his life and death and resurrection, the king of all kings paid our debt. So our invitation is to look to Jesus, not to look at our own sinfulness, but that is just a lens by which we see the great compassion, the great mercy of God through Jesus.